This would be great if Danzig was in charge of the Empire Reborn. I got a yub-pub for you. He's a big pile of dicks covered in gold. The Patriarch. Set my jackhammer to kill. <laughs> Welcome back to Expounded Universe, the Star Wars discussion podcast where we discuss Star Wars. Oh, welcome to the third attempt at trying to do an intro where we don't just massively fuck up. Well, let's see. In the first one, it was way too loud, and also we were only talking about a porno where someone dressed as Ariel pulls things out of their butt <laughs> while saying, What wonders does this cavern hold? <laughs> and in the second one, I called it System Mastery. Yeah. So, uh,. <laughs> Third time's the charm, looks yeah. like. I think this is going to be the one we keep, the one where we just talk about the other ones. <laughs> yep, that's, <laughs> that's the keeper. That's what people want. <laughs> they want that that inside knowledge. <laughs> so, uh, once again, welcome to Expounded Universe, the podcast where we discuss weird old Expanded Universe Star Wars novels, except this week. This week it's going to be an overview, a wrap-up, a discussion of things to come, and we'll address your questions, because we need a little break, just a little bit. Because we've been talking about The Crystal Star by Vonda McIntyre for quite a long time, so some 14 weeks. Yeah, now it's time to talk about it in total, instead of one chapter at a time. Indeed. Let's get We're... that gestalt. <laughs> Thank you for the correct German pronunciation of gestalt. <laughs> you are welcome. <laughs> I was about to say gestalt and be all wrong about it. Yeah. You know that gestalt? That, I got that guest out. <laughs> yeah, I got that guest out to tell you all about when it comes to uh, the Crystal Star. So, John, what did you think overall of the Crystal Star? Uh, I mean, the problem that I have overall with this, and I did mention several times during the podcast that I feel like they really should have just done one of two stories. Uh huh. Because you. Probably could have done like a like a young adult novel based on the kids, mm -hmm. like running around trying to get away from captors and stuff, and that would be like a fun kid adventure. Sure, yeah. Or you have the actual Star Wars story, which is Waru and the Crystal Star, and like what's going on with this weird space beast, and you know Luke's how is he tricking people? Force. Oh yeah, yeah. You'd have an actual story going on, whereas <laughs> unlike this book, where it was like. Waru is here. We'll get back to him and never. Anyway, <laughs> let's check in with Luke. Oh, he's weird. Should we follow up on that story? No, no time. Oh, goodness, no, because the person we're following here is Han, and he wants to gamble and drink. That'll be much better than following around the person who's affected by the plot. <laughs> and meanwhile, 3PO gets shit done in the background. <laughs> yeah, meanwhile, every, like, three chapters, 3PO shows up, and he's like, hey, I did your jobs for you. Anyway, fuck wads, I'm out. <laughs> Goodbye, I'm Purple 3. <laughs> I'll be off doing things while the rest of you idiots are sitting around jerking your lightsabers off. <laughs> Maybe it was 3PO who finally realized that Han wasn't useful and directed those two bounce droids to just keep him from getting anything done. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was <laughs> it. 3PO's like, hey, you two, come on, man. Just, just do a brother a favor. Bon bonk him around a little, would you? Just give him a couple of good old-fashioned, uh, like, bumps. <laughs> give, give him a good bonking, too. <laughs> Give him a kabonka for me. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I feel roughly the same about this book. That it was so wheel spinny. Like the idea was that it was supposed to be a book that was building to a crescendo climax. You know, sort of. Yeah, we've it, got these disparate stories that are all going to meet in the same place. Yeah, and then you've got maybe one or two pages of denouement after that. Like the whole book is build up. The problem is that the climax is stuttery. We get to that big climax, and it's oh, here's Hethrier and Waru and. Riau and everybody's all in the same room, but what are they doing? Well, they're all resolving weird little side conflicts, 
and then they resolve Hethrier, and then we hiccup up a couple of extra conflicts that are dealt with within a paragraph. Well, yeah, you'd think having the main heroes of the Rebellion meet the main people in charge of the Empire Reborn would be an actual climactic confrontation, but instead it's a fucking Wookiee shaking children and then setting them on the ground while a giant blob eats a dude. And you're like, okay. Basically, it's like... It's like seeing a family get into a fight at a Chuck E. Cheese at the end. Like, Yakety Sax is playing, and, and there's all a whole bunch of kids running around, and everything's stupid. And then in one corner, you can see the Hethrier Riau Tigress tri- uh, trio having a bitter, serious fight, and you're like, oh, they have the worst time today. Oh, yeah. Ooh, like, the no. other families are fighting, and, like, the dog is <laughs> underneath someone while the centaur kicks them over. Uh-huh. And everyone's having a good, fun time. But over there, there's an actual fight, and you're like, ooh. Ooh, this isn't fun time fights. That's oh, like that's T minus divorce. Yeah, that is bad time fights. <laughs> they should take that out of here. It's ruining everyone's good day. It's Skate World. <laughs> I'm just trying to play this broken copy of Street Fighter Alpha Three. How come I got to deal with these t- these chuckleheads getting in a real fight? <laughs> yeah, I mean, again, if this was the end of if they had just done the Jaina Jason story and it was just a kid story, so the last fight scene is. Chewbacca just shaking teenagers and dropping them. I would be like, sure, that makes sense, because you don't want your, like, young kid's story in Star Wars to end with dudes getting stabbed or whatever. That is true. I mean, uh, you don't want to kill a bunch of young, misguided Jedi, so you might as well just have a big Wookiee shake them a little. (laughs) Yeah. Or, you know, a magician tear their sleeves and then tie their (laughs) sleeves together. (laughs) Yeah, like, that's that's the sort of non-violent fun time kid ending that you would assume would happen in that kind of story but then the rest of the book is dealing with like oh yeah we've got slavery and all all sorts of torture and nonsense the anti-force god the fucking indoctrination of children (laughs) the leia plot in this was so superfluous and yet (laughs) so focused on it is the central plot of the book is leia's search for her children and it's completely pointless. I mean, one of the biggest problems in this book, I think, overall, is that we do this whole series of story about the children. And, oh, let's watch these two five-year-olds take over the Empire Reborn and, and, and undermine it and destroy it from within, right? Yeah. And they go all the way through every motion. They learn how to use the Force, even under Hethrier's weird no-Force blanket. They rally the children. They learn how to train a dragon. They go escaping through a swamp. And then, right as they've, they're triumphant and they figure all this shit out on their own, Leia and Riao show up in a spaceship and just take the credit for everything. Yeah, fucking vulture. <laughs> so, what kill snipers are these? Yeah, the, the fucking entire storyline of Leia is just, like, you're supposed to go, all right, well, I want to try and identify with her as a uh, sad mother, but she spends so much time worried about what she looks like and whether or not she did the right thing for, like, Munto Kodru, a planet that doesn't matter. Oh, gosh, the amount of focus on Munto Kodru, which isn't an important planet to the Republic, it's just the most recent one. Yeah, like, it's not even technically in the Republic yet. Nope. They were doing negotiations. I mean, let's be clear, Munto Kodru sounds awesome. It's a planet where... Oh, yeah, it's a werewolf planet. Yeah, weird dogs turn into cool, sexy, forearmed, stand-up, sleepy people who have a cool culture based on ritualistic kidnappings and are all very polite and pretty and it, it, it all sounds rad oh but yeah. it is it i mean she was somewhere before monto kodru and that certainly doesn't get any mention and i mean all of leia's stuff doesn't serve to make her seem any better no you have 
okay, I can track my kids with the Force. All right, that's that's going to make you seem cool. Except we are going to do that for two chapters and then immediately give it up and not give a fuck anymore. Or, yeah, there's no mention of it. There's no point where she speaks with Luke and she's like, hey, I was able to track a blood red line of evil through the galaxy to yeah, find it's my like, kids. Oh, I could hone in on suffering. Is this a bad thing? What, what's this power I have, Luke? Oh, it doesn't matter. Don't worry about it. It's just because I didn't leave enough breadcrumbs for you to actually find the kids, <laughs> and, says the author. Yeah, and the the amount that, like, her dealings with Riau and going to the slaver place and talking to the weird, like, multi-limbed oh, yeah, information the, broker. Uh, yeah, the information brokers. And that did nothing? Like, it didn't even matter because they were just flying around and they were like, Oh, hey, there's that planet that Hethrier has. This it, wasn't our destination. Yeah, well, it basically just told them, to, the, the Arbiters told them to go to Cersei Station, and then at random, they find Hethrier's planet on their way to Cersei Station. Yeah. It's it's kind of weird to me that the information broker would even know about Cersei Station, because it seems like the only slavery that was going on with the New Republic was being dealt outside of Cersei Station, and then he was bringing the slaves there to be fed into Waru, which means that he should have information on the deals, not, oh, and then slave children, I guess, got fed to a big, lumpy gold monster. <laughs> doesn't, and, and it's not even that they're feeding... The slave children, I, I, that, that part doesn't make sense, because like all of the proctors that are alive have also been fed to Waru and spat back out better. Yeah. So he's he's strengthened all of them. They're not slaves. They're like some kind of empire kids. The whole thing is just madness. Yeah. Like I said, there was just not enough focus on If you had taken, well, one of the two storylines, not the Leia one, but if you took either the kids or the Waru one, fleshed it out and made it an actual thing, I feel you like, could have had a decent story. I feel like the Waru story was plenty fleshy. hey -o. I mean, that's just, hey. he's just a big meatball. He's, I love that guy, <laughs> that marinara motherfucker. He's great. I just picture him as a spray-painted meatwad. Is that is that just me? Yeah. Hi, y'all. How y'all doing? <laughs> uh, Waru, can you please heal my child? I can make an igloo or a hot dog. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, I'm glad that you are the intro to Aqua Teen Hunger Force. <laughs> That's all he ever can do. The only shapes he can do are meat bridge, igloo, hot dog, Abraham Lincoln with a katana. <laughs> good. Uh, that's a running thing throughout the entirety of the show. I know it. Good. You've watched it. I don't care about it. So, uh, and that makes Hathrier the master shake of this show. <laughs> Good. <laughs> uh, I'm glad we've established that. Yeah, yeah. In case, you know, we had to do that with uh, Shadows of the Empire was which characters from Aqua Teen Hunger Force are these? Yeah, that's our, our running thing with all these books. <laughs> Everyone knows it. It's a regular thing we've been discussing for years. Which character in this book was the Carl, John? <laughs> I mean, obviously, I would say that the Carl in this is the unnamed Ferrario. <laughs> the unnamed Ferrario. I work out of the home. <laughs> anyway, I gotta take this ship. Goodbye. <laughs> you stay on your side of the space lanes. <laughs> Whatever you do it over there, I don't want to do it. Nothing with it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think you're probably right. All right. So, uh, John, I, we have a lot of questions from people here. We do have several questions. We did ask you... To send us any questions or comments you had about the Crystal Star. And uh, we're going to go through and answer those for you. And uh, most of them are, you know, pretty pretty standard for what you would want to know about the Crystal Star. Yeah. No, I think these are good questions. I'm going to go from oldest to newest. So we'll start with this question here from Sir Phobos. Ah, Sir Phobos. Sir Phobos. Sir Phobos says, 
This question is a two-parter. One, would you be okay with Lucasfilm recasting Leia for Episode Nine? If so, what actress would you cast? Uh, uh, it's really hard to cast old Leia because there's just not a lot of people that that you know. I, what are you gonna do? Like just pick some random older actress and cast her like Helen Mirren or something? I don't think it's really worth it. I think the actor I would cast to play Leia in any like recasting and, and redo of Leia, and you're gonna have to help me out here, John, if I've got her name wrong. The the uh, lead lady from The Office, Jenna Fisher, is that right? Okay, uh, she's always been kind of she always has a little bit of a Carrie Fisher look to her, and right. I think she could play a good middle aged Carrie Fisher if we wanted to do a flashback scene or something like that. Uh, she's always kind of been my choice for that sort of thing. Take a look at her from the like get a look at the profile of her and 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 see if I'm wrong, listeners. I I. I don't know. That's just that's always been kind of my choice. Uh, I, I feel like she could probably do it pretty well. Yeah, I I just feel like you probably don't need to. Oh no, no. Her. I I don't. I mean, that's the first half of the question. Is yeah. should is should they? The answer to that is no. No. They should probably use some some cut footage from one of the first two of these movies in the trilogy to show her going. And now I leave you forever. Goodbye. Well, the thing is, you already have an entire group of new people to follow, so they can just be like. Oh, we got orders from General Organa or whatever. You don't actually need to show her. It's like Paul Walker in the Fast and the Furious series. Yeah, yeah, no. I mean, well, wait, does Carrie Fisher have, like, two famous twin brothers or whatever who would totally be willing let's, to play him? Let's only hope. <laughs> we can but hope. Well, she does have at least one brother who does a lot Looks of... exactly like Paul Exa- Walker, yeah. ov- obviously, and it's weird. Yeah, it is very weird. Maybe we could just recast her her dog? Like George or Harry or whatever his name was, they already put him in the second Star Wars uh, of the new movies as like an alien in the casino. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so no, I don't think they should. I think they should just have her die off screen with some dignity. Nah. Uh, but if they were recasting her for another movie set in the middle of those twenty that twenty year gap, I'd say Jenna Fisher is probably my choice. All right, all right. I know that's not a very exciting or funky choice. I apologize. It's not like I was Par- Paris Hilton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Defend that, John. No, I, I shan't. R two D two, R two D two is Leia Organa we'll, in. We'll just put a wig on him. No one will notice. Beep boop. I am space racist. Oh, sorry. That's the books. I think the best part would be when he portrays a little hologram of himself, but <laughs> <laughs> with a wig on, and everyone's just like, "Oh, look, that's what that's his real self down there." He's portraying what he believes, what he thinks he should be. Beepity boop. <laughs> so, all right, that's Surfobos, and yeah. Don't recast it. And also, for the love of God, don't CGI it. No. Like I said, just do the Paul Walker thing where they're like, hey, we're going to mention the name. He's still alive and off screen and living his life, and he's not part of this franchise anymore. He's very happy living in a ranch upstate. He runs around a lot and gets all the food he wants. But we can do the other Paul Walker thing from the most recent Fast and the Furious movie where they named the the, uh, kid after the, the character and no one knows who that is anymore. Yeah. We're naming this kid Brian. What? Who? Brian? Isn't he still alive in this universe? He didn't. He, why are you giving him a, a a nice like? Oh, let's name him after our dead friend. You should name him Paul. <laughs> nah. I mean, Paul would have taken me out of the movie less, if, <laughs> e- even if the baby was named Paul after the actor that died that portrayed the main character in a few We're of these. Naming movies. him Walker. We're naming him Paul Walker. Uh, That's Walker, his name. Texas Ranger. That's his name. <laughs> We're naming him after every actor that died this year. His name is Paul Walker Dennis Farina. <laughs> Uh, Prince McDavid Bowie. Oh, Prince McDavid Bowie. <laughs> but uh, but 
I just Brian, I was like, why? Why is everyone all on about this? He's just like a retired criminal in this universe. Yeah, no one but, cares. You know, they're friends. <laughs> it's nice if you name your kid after your friend. I guess so. Sure, why not? Okay. Uh, next question comes to us from Arthur. Okay. Yeah. And uh, let's see. Arthur asks. Uh, the one off-screen technology that we know exists in Star Wars is construction technology that allows for ridiculous megastructures, like Death Stars and similar nonsense. What do you think they should be building with those resources instead of dumb super weapons? <laughs> uh, uh, awesome super weapons. Yeah, duh. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean just... like I mentioned, don't don't have the Death Star shoot a laser, have it be a giant lightsaber. That's the best super weapon. That is the coolest super weapon you could ever build is a giant lightsaber Death Star that you could just swing at another one. And then you build five giant lions. Now hear me out. Okay, I'm listening. <laughs> Let's talk about the five giant lions of Star Wars. They come together and they form one big dude. That dude wields the Death Star. <laughs> why are there lions? I mean, I understand the Voltron part, but... Yeah, because they're lions. Cause well, just... why were they lions in Voltron? That they're... is actually a really good question. Why did an alien build five robot lions? Yeah, there's even... I mean, if you've watched the series, there's the flashback to the point where the guy makes them, and he's like, I made them lions! And they're like, why? I don't know! What are lions? <laughs> I mean, the Altaians oh, uh... have lions because oh, okay. the like they show up other places they're like yeah we're real into lions here we're, we're very lion focused <laughs> we, they they aren't exactly the same looking as earth lions well no but... of course not they have little v things on their heads and they're made of metal and and they carry dudes around in them so they're quite different yeah they're just like me <laughs> <laughs> how many wonders does your cavern hold <laughs> call back <laughs> so uh okay uh let's see what, what would be some good serious answers i mean Obviously, in this book, we discussed the world craft, which is when they just built a mobile planet that's basically yeah. an unweaponed Death Star. I mean, you would think that there would be very few issues in the galaxy if you're able to get that sort of construction level together. Like, look, we've got enough resources and manpower and also, like, the bureaucracy to make a Death Star You'd think any sort of construction project would come together. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but ultimately, the Death Star represents like the pinnacle of imperial power. That's like the 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 point of the spear of the largest organization in the galaxy managed to build a Death Star. Yeah, I don't think anyone else is managing to build anything that colossally huge. But if they were, I guess maybe just terraforming devices would be of particular use to people. Uh, amusement parks, of course. I mean, hologram fun world could be way bigger than it is. No, yeah, given that it's about four sheds <laughs> four, surrounded by blue helium. Yeah, just just guys selling cotton candy out of the back of a pickup truck. Like, that's what that is. So, uh, so there you go. His second question here is, one of the worst things about the Crystal Star was cool characters like Leia acting completely out of character in a dumb way. So as a counterpoint, when have you ever seen a character out of act out of character in a way that's cool? Uh, usually it's when they're trying to do a character redemption arc. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you have something where it's like, oh, normally this character's a huge dumb asshole, but now we're going to make them decent. Oh, yeah. So basically the back half of any Guy Gardner story. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, we were <laughs> talking about the Molecule Man the other day, and he's one of those characters that 
when he started out, was just the dumbest, shittiest Spider-Man villain. And then eventually he's like, I'm a bored, fun god. Yeah, that's all right. That's neat. The Molecule Man's such a great storyline in general, because it starts out as, what are you? I can control molecules. I'll fight Spider-Man for credit card numbers. And you're like, what? Why would you? You're you're so powerful. But thankfully, some author from the comic book universe realized that and was like, oh, let's extrapolate with this guy. So if he can do that, like... Isn't his power basically just whatever the fuck he wants to do happens? Indeed! And then he's just like, hey man, I live in the suburbs with my giant strong wife, and uh, I don't really care about crime anymore, because who cares? Well, I love guys like that where they realize they have phenomenal cosmic power, but they have not been raised in a way where that makes any sense to them. Yeah. Where he's like, what do you do for a living? I work in a bank! Like, oh, okay, well, do you have any kind of training that would let you be a god among men forever? I work in a bank! (laughs) Yeah, like... Fucking Molecule Man was just some nerd scientist guy until he got his powers, and now he's like, I have a cool, strong wife that likes me. I'm just going to settle in the suburbs. That's what I want to do. And I'm like, I love you, Molecule Man. You're great. Yeah. But uh, I don't know if that's really answering the question. I don't know if I can think of one from Star Wars yet. I mean, to to be fair, we've only read two expanded universe novels so far. Oh, no. I mean, the question wasn't specifically Star Wars. No, it, was it just really wasn't. a character. I mean, there was that one time that Fox Mulder danced his way through an entire episode of The X-Files. <laughs> That was pretty great, now to character. Did that happen, John? Yeah. T- tell me that happened. Sure, that yeah. wasn't just a weird dream you had. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> I knew there was too much nudity for for uh, evening television. <laughs> I knew as soon as he stopped mid-dance and just looked at me and said, I like you, and then made a kissy face. It probably wasn't real. I'm willing to believe he'd do that in an episode of X-Files. <laughs> that would be great. <laughs> Come on, guys, we got a rebooted X-Files. Let's do this. <laughs> Dear David Duchovny. <laughs> Have I got a plan for you? How are you at dancing? The <laughs> How answer, are you at obviously, faces? is great. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 20 years of my fanfic can't be wrong. <laughs> uh, okay, so let's move on here. Next question is from Gord Captain, who says, which was the worst villain, Shizor or Hethrier? Okay, so we got so to find worse. I was going to say, there's two different ways, because the worst villain, as far as, like, how bad they were as a villain or how bad they were as written. <laughs> so, okay, as written, I would say that Shizor is a worse villain uh, because he's gross and rapey and it just keeps going on like that. And it, and it's nothing but just bo- page after page and paragraph and chapter after chapter of him just being like, mm, yes, I am rich and powerful and I will display it now. Okay, move on. Get out. Get the camera away from me. Cam- I'm, not, I'm not actually doing anything. And, and and that is all for me. I mean, Hethrier, his plan was stupid as hell. Just just dumb. Oh, But he at is... least he was doing it. Yeah, no. His fucking, I cannot understand his thing where he's like, yeah, and then I'm going to feed myself to this big thing, and that will definitely work out for the best. I, a weird alien, am going to recruit all the racist humans I can. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, his entire plan is so bad. Yeah. I mean, at least if he was like, I'm going to make the Empire Reborn, and my whole plan is to occasionally feed my like shitty little idiot students to... Waru, and they'll occasionally get eaten and occasionally come out with better powers. I'll take the ones with better powers, and that's fine. But the idea that he would jump in there and be like, yeah, I'm willing to risk him just eating me. Like, no, dude, that's not a thing you do. I mean, really, it comes down to work ethic versus stupid. So, like, Hethrier, his plan is the dumbest plan in the universe, but he's doing it. (laughs) 
Shizor has already succeeded at whatever his dumb plan was. He's rich beyond measure. He's probably the third most powerful person in the galaxy. He has machinations that are happening below him because his underlings have taken care of him. What's his actual goal in, in Shadow of the Empire? To kill Luke Skywalker, to piss off Darth Vader so that Darth Vader will look make himself look stupid in front of the Empire, uh, the Emperor. Yeah. It's a dumb plan, and he rarely does anything related to it. No, like... <laughs> If it wasn't for the pl- the fact that his plan was actually murder, he would basically be like a shitty high school bully. Yeah. It was like, ooh, my plan is to make it so that Luke Skywalker gets dumped in front of everyone, and then it'll embarrass him, and, and then I'll pants him. And you're like, okay, great. Yeah. Why do you care? So Hethrier is better at being a villain, because he's actually doing something. Shizor is actually a better villain, because he's a little more menacing. Yeah, he's succeeded at things, and... I mean, yeah, he's an idiot, but whatever. I mean, both of them just randomly kill underlings. Yeah. So uh... they've got that. At least, I mean, the one thing is Hethrier is a Sith. He's got that going. He has a silver lightsaber. Good for him. I guess. But not like he really uses it to anything interesting all the way through the book. Oh, he chops 3PO in half. What a friggin' amazing event. And even that doesn't doesn't fucking take. It doesn't even do anything to (laughs) 3PO. Yeah. Oh man, it's a sad day for th- for Hethrier. <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I I'll say Hethrier's probably a worse villain. At least Shizor was funny. Yeah, I think Hethrier is the worst villain. Yeah. Uh, okay, which of the two books you guys have read treats Chewbacca worse? <laughs> I mean, I would say Shadows of the Empire because at least in this book he gets to do something like shake some kids. At least in this book he's injured, which is an excuse for why he doesn't really get to do a whole lot. Also like, that. For the first couple of chapters of him hanging around with Leia when she's like, no, you have to stay on the ship because, you know, you have a huge gaping leg wound. Yeah. It's like, that's fine. That makes sense. I understand. in Shadows of the Empire when she's like, no, you have to stay behind while I do things. You're like, why? Well, his her reason in Shadows of the Empire is insane. She's like, you have to stay here, Chewie, so I can bond with this evil droid. <laughs> but Because she looks like a lady, and I don't have a lot of lady friends. <laughs> yeah, no. I I would say treated slightly better in Crystal Star, if only because he does eventually get to do anything. Well, also, let's t- let's be serious here. In Shadows of the Empire, she brings him along as a cock block. Yeah. And then tosses him aside when he tries to do the one thing he's there for. Yeah. That's, that's probably the silliest thing that happens to Chewbacca in any of them, so that's really poor treatment. And the so- only thing that he even gets to do in that book, which is escape to go find, like, Luke and Han and whatnot, is undercut, yeah. Well, the whole point is... We cut back and Shizor's like, exactly according to Kaikaku. <laughs> Translators note, that means plan. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's basically what happened. Even Chewbacca's one moment of triumph in Shadows is a gloat moment for the villain. Yeah. So, so yeah, he definitely gets better treatment in this book, in uh, Sh- Crystal Star. And, but- it, and it's also, kids love Chewbacca. Like, Chewbacca gets to hang out with kids. Yeah, and in this book, he's, like, cool and thoughtful and calm. Like, there's parts where he's, like making himself some tasty soup and adding honey to it or or tell or singing the children a lullaby and stuff in the in shadows of the empire all he ever does is threaten to tear off the arms of people because that happened in the movie yep yeah he is extremely poorly treated in shadows so this is for the moment the record holder for the best treatment of chewbacca that we've encountered <laughs> <laughs> oh man all right so let's move on uh next question comes to us from continuity officer uh, listening to Crystal Star through you, I feel like I can't help but be interested in the story. It doesn't sound that bad. That's, <laughs> I, I mean, to be fair, that's probably mostly us. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, 
I, I get that the writing isn't that great, but do you think with sufficient editing it would make a better Star Wars for kids movie than the Ewok movies? No. 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 I mean, again, if you had just focused on the kids, mm-hmm. you could make a, all right, this is a fun adventure movie for children, but... Uh-huh. But, yeah. but better than the Ewok movies, John? Uh, well, I mean, there's nothing better than the Ewok movies. There's no they both. are, of course, the number one and number two slot for Star Wars movies. For kids, yes. I, I, is there a role for Wilford Brimley in Crystal Star, do we think? <laughs> C- could he play Waru? Could oh, he play man. Hethrier? Oh, man. <laughs> a Wilford Brimley Waru. Just a giant gold meat pile, but with that stash. With a big old gold stash in the front. Meat juice dripping off the edges. <laughs> I'm tired. <laughs> Diabetes. Diabetes. I tire. Uh, please, please leave my presence. I have helped as much as I can. Now get y'all off my land. Liberty Mutual. <laughs> Self-sufficiency. Yeah, that'd be great. Every time I eat a child, it destroys a chemtrail. <laughs> That's right. I, Wilford Brimley, believe in dumb conspiracy theories. No. <laughs> So uh, I don't think it would be as good as the Ewok movies, which are friggin' classic and amazing. Uh, but, I mean, you could trim out all of the Waru stuff, all of the Cersei Station stuff, and just make this a story about very young Jedi kids escaping from, like, a Dickensian space prison. And, yeah. And, and it would probably be okay. You know, you like you say, play down the fascism a little bit and make it more like, this is a weird, like... A little re-education-y, but not quite so much the, like, this is an actual fascist concentration camp. Yeah, yeah. I mean, ultimately, it would just be sort of a space Oliver Twist thing. Yeah, but that'd be fine. Yeah, it'd be all right. I mean, I could see it working. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, but again, not as good as the Ewok movies. I mean, let's one of those has a Flash Rabbit in it. One of them. Yeah, and the other one's got Chukatrof. <laughs> I don't know what that is. John ain't seen the the other one. I mean, I have. I just can't remember it. I've blocked it out of my memory. Oh, it's so good. We need to watch it for the show at some point. <laughs> we really do. I mean, first of all, it's narrated. And not just narrated by anyone. Because the first one, or the second one's got no narration. Because it's actually got kind of a structure to it that makes sense. But the first one is 30 or 40 minutes of random bullshit. And then an adventure story tacked on at the end. And the, the random bullshit all the way through the end of the movie is narrated by Burl Ives. Yep. So he's just like, only the true Ewoks know which tree in the forest to jack off to receive its special medicine. No true Ewok. <laughs> Chukatrov, the Ewok lumberjack, knows how to chop a tree down to weaponize it into a thing that can kill a human. My God, are you really making me read this? Come on. <laughs> Frosty the snowman. Oh, sorry, I'm drunk again. <laughs> All right. So uh, moving, moving up to the next question here. Do, 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 do. Comes to us from Chris. Chris says, in the book, people comment on Leia's hair. In The Force Awakens, Han also comments on Leia's hair, saying she changed it in their awkward Hollywood love moment. In The Last Jedi, Leia makes herself a joke, uh, or, or sorry, Leia herself makes a joke about how she changed her hair when Luke Astral projects himself, uh, a physical object that disappears and makes him solid to his sister, in this time in a less incestuous way. I probably misread some of that. But the basic idea is he's pointing out that there's a lot of commentary on Leia's hair in this book. Yeah, well, that is, given the fact that Leia's hair has sort of been an object in the original trilogy so much, the very classic 
not like everyone knows it the buns yeah you got the buns you and got then the the braid from when she's in the bikini you've got the fruit cup from when she's giving the uh, the okay look, let's do the famous hairs of princess leia taking it from the top the buns uh, we got them buns we got them buns number one at number two the fruit cup that's what she has when she gives the the uh medals to everybody at the end of new hope uh-huh. she's got a, a spiral braid that actually forms a little bowl on top of her head <laughs> Uh, we've got the double nooses. The double noose is the haircut that she has when they are on Cloud City. Uh, she she plates it into two actual little noose things on the backside of her head. Yeah. Uh, we've got the all the way down from uh, the Ewok Village. Yeah, no, the, her her hair is definitely a thing that like nerds have glommed onto for the style of it. I mean, it's it is a thing that is known, mm-hmm. and so I think. Just like writers doing like, oh, Chewbacca's going to rip your arms off. It's the same thing whenever they fuck around with Leia's hair. Yeah. They're like, hey, you remember how everyone knows about Leia's hair from the first movie? Well, fuck it. We're going to talk about her hair again. Yeah. I, I think part of it, I mean, I, I don't know if um, if this is something that, that I'm right about, but part of this to me is that this book feels like it's trying to write to appeal to uh, to, to women. And, and I feel like it, it it missed that mark a lot. Because it was like, all right, what do women want to hear about Star Wars? Hair compliments. Constant hair compliments. Every ten minutes, either a hair complaint or a hair compliment. And I was like, well, no, no one no one wants that. But it yeah, does seem to be... a hair compliment sandwich. We got a hair compliment, <laughs> hair complaint, hair compliment. <laughs> Leia, I like how your hair is, is formed into pretty little buns. Uh, I don't like that you only have brown and green color crawlers in it. It makes you look boring. <laughs> I, I do like how you were generous in giving all the good crawl- color crawlers to your dog. Anyway, you're fired. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, this is something, uh, part of this was just a, a feeling I got while reading through this book, and I've read at least one other Vonda McIntyre book, and I don't think that, that's, that this is a complaint about her as an author in general, but I think this book flopped a little bit in terms of trying to appeal to an audience that I, I don't think it hits their mark either. Yeah. But you get the same thing with uh, Han constantly, like when he sees her and their kids are still missing and there's still a fight going on, he's like, wow, your hair's down. I like your hair down. It's like, dude, get the move on. <laughs> it's like, no, we need to fit hair compliments in here. Yeah, the I I felt the whole time feeling like this book was a little bit an attempt to write almost a Star Wars romance novel. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think it really is just there has been a fetishization of Leia's hair for a while. That's true. And it just shows up. It's definitely true that it continues well into the new movies. Yeah. And I think it extends back into the prequels because Lord knows they sure forced uh, Amidala to have a lot of funky haircuts. Which... Is really just the, hey, remember how the buns were fucking huge and everyone knows about them? Let's try that again with Amidala. And then that did not work. No, she looks like a bunch of weird racist geisha concepts. <laughs> like, her, even just her hair, you're like, dude, your hair is like modern art pieces. The reason Leia's hair worked is because they were very simple ways in which you could actually do your hair. I mean, I understand the difference. Leia is a guerrilla warrior. Amidala is a princess and a senator. So she can afford to have less, you know, functional haircuts and more like spun candy. <laughs> and more floss. look like she came out of Babylon Five. Yeah, exactly. She looks like a wh- wh- whichever Centauri in half her in half the shots in that movie. Yeah, but there's the you know in the second one of those in in, uh, in Clone Wars, there's a lot of shots of her out of you know, princess makeup with regular hair, and it looks great. She looks great in those. Yeah. It's just any time they overdoll her, it looks crazy. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of buns, it looks like she's wearing backwards headphones for half that movie. <laughs> huh. So, uh, all right. So, yeah, I don't know. Uh, next question comes to us from Claire, and it's not the Claire who's been a guest on the show. It's just some Claire. 
Just, just some Claire. But you know what? We appreciate you, some Claire. At just some Claire. <laughs> it's a different Claire. Claire says, hi, guys. I have a weird and stupid habit with Star Wars where I only retain information that I can use to annoy my friends who are Star Wars fans. Uh, I just like to remind them that cor- that dumb things happen in Star Wars. Hey, that's our entire business model. <laughs> so we're with you. Uh, <laughs> Shadows of the Empire was real easy to factor in for pushing people's buttons, but I'm not sure what standout stupidity there, stupidity there is exactly in the Crystal Star to Star Wars fans. It's all just kind of stupid in general. So what stand out to you two? What stands out to you two as the best things to pull out is hey, remember that X definitely happened in a Star Wars book, and you can't deny it. Well, there's That's Waru. I was going to say, it's Waru and Anti-Force. Yeah, the concept of Anti-Force, which if you look at the Wikipedia article for Anti-Force, it's the one time anyone's ever mentioned it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. But that means there's another dimension where Anti-Force exists, and you can do something to pull out a creature from it, which this book does not spend enough time on Waru, even remotely. We get no idea why he's there, what's going on with him. It's just, a weird gross monster is here. And now he is back to his home planet. He died on the way there. <laughs> yeah. So Waru from the the opposite dimension where the force is the backwards force is is definitely one of the weirder things. Yeah, in this you know book. when Wa- Waru's just jumping around. Bizarro, <laughs> I love you, Bizarro. <laughs> My Waru Bizarro breasts are sensing that he's lying. <laughs> Man, why do we do it with you? a lot of old adult swim references today? Yeah, well, <laughs> these things happen. Old Kentucky shark. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I mean, it's definitely Waru. There's at least one other, but I know it's going to come up in, qu- in a question in just a minute here. So I don't, I don't want to go into it too much yet. Uh, you can also mention that this is the point where C-3PO was purple for an entire adventure. Yeah. Uh, or you can talk about how the kids were able to defeat an evil Jedi with the power of a bat that they stole. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, I mean, this book definitely, more than any other book I've read about the about the uh, the twins, leans into their separated statuses. I'm into machines. I'm the Donatello of the twins. Yeah. And I'm the one who likes animals, which I assume is the Michelangelo of the twins. I'm, I'm pretty sure that's the Slash of the twins. The Slash? Okay, yeah. <laughs> it's the Venus to Milo. <laughs> <laughs> so... I mean, it, this book really leans into the, these two kids have one stereotype each, and Lord knows if they're going to talk, they're going to talk about their stereotype. Yeah. I'm Jaina, the one who likes machines, and because I like machines, I can see a machine in front of me that's a machine. <laughs> Good. Uh, okay, so next up, we've got a question from Kevin. Kevin wants to know, does that ghostling have any plot relevance at all? I suppose she was there to introduce the vague concept of Warudahan, but why does she, why does she have to be fucked to deathable? <laughs> <laughs> why would an author create a character like that? I feel like maybe she was, she was supposed to be honeypotting, but that doesn't really sound like what she was doing. I'm so confused. So that's Kevin. Now, like I was saying, this was coming up. The ghostling is definitely something I would want to mention to other Star Wars people. To uh, it's like you can't say this thing didn't happen in Star Wars. Oh yeah. So the ghostling, just as a reminder for people who might have forgotten about episode or two of this season. The ghostling exists to show up where Han is and be like, Hello, gentle. Have you heard of Waru? Incidentally, I'm a species that wants to fuck humans, but if we fuck humans, we die. But we want to fuck humans, and humans want to fuck us. It's it's a whole big mess. <laughs> the I mean, the idea of that being a race that exists is kind of dumb in general, uh-huh. but the fact that it exists... Nowhere else in the universe of Star Wars outside of this book mm-hmm. and is used for a page. And and for no goddamn reason. Like he's saying, the only thing the, go- the ghostling does in the story at all is go, by the way, there's a thing called Waru. Oh, it's, it's mostly just to be like, hey, everyone, 
Han, he might seem like a scoundrel, yeah. but he's really monogamous, and even someone that he would be able to fuck to death, he wouldn't do that. And you're like, I, that's I, the would, bear- I would not do that. If someone was like, hey, I'm sexy, do you want to fuck me to death? I'd be like, mm, I'm good. Well, I'm sexy Hitler. <laughs> Ooh, but are you sexy baby Hitler? <laughs> So, uh, but yeah, like I like I've been saying for a while, there's little twinges of this book that make me feel like it was written with a romance novel in mind. And part of that is this scene with the ghostling, because this ghostling, like John says, this ghostling shows up and is like, "Hey, I'm here to deliver some information." Also, I'm insanely fucked to deathable, and boy, anyone would fuck me to death. Han, do you want to? And he's like, "Oh no, I'm very, very monogamous." I am dedicated to Leia, and it's like, okay, so I guess he's demonstrating value for it for a scene. Yeah, is all is is the reason the ghostling exists is to prove Han's fidelity. Yeah, I mean the problem with that is you put that in here, but then you also have Zaveri as a character whose entire purpose is basically that because God knows it isn't to give them information because she doesn't. No, she hates giving out information. This, she she is the I the, the anthropomorphic personification of guys. You better come take a look at this. Yes, the trope in movies where it it takes people longer to get somewhere and see something, but they won't believe it if they don't go there and see it. Yeah, the you got to come take a look at this as a person is Zaveri. Yes, that's completely her deal. Uh, but yeah, that means that there's basically two characters that live on Cersei Station whose whole job is just to be like, see guys, see how much Han loves Leia. He's not a cat at all. He's an honorable gentleman. And the whole time, all I can think is, I mean, you can see right through it. So that's why the ghostling is written that way. But it's still the bare fucking minimum. Oh, yeah. Like, it's not a huge compliment to be like, this guy doesn't indiscriminately fuck aliens to death when he's left alone for half a minute. <laughs> that's setting an extremely uh... low bar. Well... <laughs> That's what that's what Han likes. Extremely low bars. <laughs> it's true, especially if there's some kind of weird crab octopus back there, and he really wants to get a look at. Come on, it. let me get it. Let me get a look at you. <laughs> so, but, but yeah, that's. I mean, I I don't know that we're right about that about why the ghostling is driven written the way it is, but that certainly feels like that's the case. That it's there to demonstrate fidelity. Yeah, it's just there to be a look how good Han is. We needed some way to do that, and. Unlike Shadows of the Empire, I'm not just going to tell you. I will at least put something in the book to show you it. My problem with all this, I mean, I think we're probably right about why the ghostling is what it is. The problem is that the moment she's like, hey, so uh, can I talk to you about something? Han's answer is literally, to your death! Which is like, which means that, sure, he's very dedicated to Leia, but while he's looking at this ghostling, all he's thinking is, that ghostling gonna try fuck me. That ghostling gonna try fuck me. <laughs> oh yeah, no, the his immediate assumption upon seeing a ghostling is ah she wants it yeah she wants it for sure and when she mentions something to him he just blurts out something about that oh yeah like if she had been like excuse me sir may i talk to you about something eight inches thick (laughs) yeah (laughs) uncut i'm like come on dude just just keep it keep it in your brain pants (laughs) just just take a mental cold shower hon (laughs) calm it down uh yeah so so, uh, so there you go that's, ghostling that's the ghostling uh next question comes to us from sam sam says in jim henson's the crystal star which muppets would you cast to play everyone <laughs> well i mean unfortunately you've got to have like miss piggy be leia because that's just what you do oh you can't just have janice be leia no i mean okay here's the thing there's only like three female muppets and you need it's skeeter, so you need, skeeter. <laughs> i was gonna say we need we need adult skeeter to show up in this thing yeah that's what we need she's the ghostling <laughs> So that means we need four female roles. So let's see. We need a Zaveri and a Riau. Okay. So we'll make a Janice Riau. 
Good. And Zaveri can be Gonzo. <laughs> and Zaveri can be one of the chickens. <laughs> well, no, yeah, because Gonzo's going to be Han. Could we make Gonzo into Hethrier and make uh, Real one of the chickens? <laughs> Uh, and then just have the entire movie be this joke about she's she's like yes I did have a husband I will tell you his name and it's like yeah you're a chicken we all know we all know the conventions of the Muppets <laughs> See, <laughs> but I, I like a chicken as Zaveri because then they're like what what can you tell us about Waru <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay I'm on board with that and then we can have Gonzo for Han yeah Heth Rear can be Sam the Eagle <laughs> <laughs> Uh, originally I was going to say that Han should be Sam the Eagle just so we could be like you Jedi are all weirdos <laughs> but who's Waru I mean that's tricky I mean Waru's probably Fozzie Bear <laughs> waka 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 get it me <laughs> I was kind of hoping it would be Sweetums <laughs> but that's fine or Snuffleupagus <laughs> like just doing a guest spot yeah just just guesting <laughs> Hey guys, who wants to go for a swim in my corporeal form? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> so, okay, uh, do we just do Luke as is Kermit? Yeah, because I mean, you basically always do your main characters as that. All right, and uh, Chewbacca. Chewbacca. It's got to be Fozzie Bear. Uh, no, I mean, it's Rolf. Rolf. Oh yeah, I like that. He's a dog. He's a dog. <laughs> I mean, that does mean we do spend the. In- okay, so that's Miss Piggy ordering Rolf around. Who gave that Rolf a crossbow? <laughs> Which Muppet babies get to play the kids? <laughs> we just go with Baby Scooter and Baby Skeeter for the kids? Yeah. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Yeah, all right. And then Animal can be Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cookie. A- animal want cookie. Cookie. <laughs> I mean, animal you can, can. You could also, I mean, you could also have a baby cookie monster guest <laughs> in that spot. Uh, Tigus eat cookie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, uh, is there any other characters that we should really break down? Yeah, oh, think... let's get Barkley in there with two extra legs as the uh, <laughs> as, as the wirewolf. There you go. Sure, fine. Why not? <laughs> All right. Uh, we've got one last, qu- uh, two more questions to go through here. Uh, next one is from Inferno Steve at Inferno Steve. He says, Jeff and John, what are your not so secret bounty hunter alter egos? Well, funny story about that. We actually have a bounty hunter alter ego. For the two of us. Oh, yeah? What's that? It's the one character with two heads. <laughs> That's right. We, we actually had a name for him at some point, but we made a fan character at one point that was our, our if we were ever allowed to be on campaign, this is Which the character. Which we are not allowed no, to be on no, campaign. We are, we are kept at a, at, at a, uh, a polite but measured arm's 50, length a distance. We got 50-foot distance at all times from any campaign episodes. <laughs> yeah, no one wants us anywhere near it. But we were just doing some fan casting of ourselves. If we were on campaign, what would we be? And we decided to make a Troig. Yeah, Which, those those two-headed things. Now, you'd know what a Troig is if you remember Phantom Menace. It's the guy that's half Greg Proops, half the dude who yells goal. <laughs> I'm not joking. Those are the actual voices of that oh, thing. I know, but it's just great. Half Greg Proops, half of the guy who yells goal. <laughs> that's, that's what that is. Uh. So, so Troy, are two-headed aliens that live in the Star Wars universe, and uh, they, they have two distinct personalities, but they mostly get along pretty well, which is why they are able to uh, run around without falling over constantly. Yeah, I mean, they're not quite like uh, World of Warcraft ogres with two heads. Yeah. So uh, we, we, at one point, sat down and designed a custom Troig character. Yeah, a Troig bounty hunter. I, he had a name. Their, their, their name is that it's... Uh, the, one that, the one that's in the movie is named Foidzenbead Anodue. 
uh, with Fodes and Bede. Uh, and the way that they work is it's Fode, Sin, Bede. Sin means and, so you have two names. Yeah. So we had a, we had a full name for him. I mean, it's probably just Jeff and John. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but unfortunately, I think that we're going to be held at a, uh, you know, that consistent uh, restraining order that we have for being on campaign just still stands. And, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those grapes are probably sour anyway. Yeah, no one wants to be on campaign. That's a dumb show for idiots. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> See, look how good we'd be at this. Come on. <laughs> let me hunt bounties. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in... Uh, if you want a real name, I'm going to go with uh, our actual bounty hunter, our alter ego, which is Truck Nuts and Four John. <laughs> I'm Truck Nuts. <laughs> I'm Four John, and together we fight crime <laughs> for a for a profit. You know, for for a price. <laughs> so, all right. So there you go. Two two so, pretty good answers. So, so our, <laughs> our two bounty hunters, Jeff, of course, is Four John, and I am Big Dick Heaven Jeff. God damn it. <laughs> I don't understand how Big Dick Tavin Jeff was your nickname in high school. <laughs> it's weird, right? I know. We hadn't even met. <laughs> Let's be describing some other Jeff with a big dick. All right, move, moving on. Uh, last question of the day comes to us from At Palelos. And he says, who would you pick to direct a Crystal Star movie? And he suggests uh, Terry Gilliam. Mm. And then also cast the movie. Eh. All right, so this is pretty easy. It's Jim Henson. And uh, the movie stars Fozzie Bear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, you, so you got Kermit as Luke. <laughs> uh, I mean, if I could get anyone to you get, write Crystal Star. Crystal Star, yeah. I mean, it, I feel like I'd, I'd get, like, Lord Miller. And <laughs> just let him fucking just let crazy him it go, up. go to town on it. Phil Lord and Chris Miller are, like, the easy joke answer now. <laughs> yeah. Every good thing could be directed by Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Any bad thing could be turned into a good thing by them. Oh, yeah. Those like, 21 hey. Jump Street movies are watchable. <laughs> it's, I mean, I could also hand it off to, like, Taika. Like, here, <laughs> yeah, do that, this. I can see him doing that. At least here, it would make, be colorful. <laughs> make it so that Ferrario all have New Zealander accents mm-hmm. for no reason. Here you go. I just want to compound it and watch the whole thing burn. I'm going to say Guy Ritchie. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so we're getting Quentin Tarantino, and he's directing the Crystal Star. Turns out that ghostling scene goes on for about a half hour, and it's Mostly, a lot of foot. A lot of feet in there, and you can fuck those feet to death. <laughs> there you go. Uh, my Guy Ritchie movie is my... We got Zaveri as Madonna. Uh, <laughs> just pick one casting. If you were to choose Phil Lord and Chris Miller, choose, give me one actor who you think should be in a movie like that. Oh, man. I don't even... I don't even know. Like I can't. I can't think of anything good. Mm, I'm gonna say uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Uh, obviously, they're gonna want to put Chris Pratt in there. All right, give me John C. Riley as the voice of Waru. Oh, cool. Yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. So we got John C. Riley, Waru. Uh, we need a Hethrier. Uh, I'm gonna say uh, Alan Rickman, not dead. <laughs> Alan Rickman, dead is what I'm gonna say. <laughs> the zombie of Alan Rickman. Yeah, the reanimated corpse of Alan Rickman is Heth Rear in the Crystal Star. It's just one of those holograms. From, <laughs> like it's gonna CGI him. It's fine. It's, no, they don't even do that. They just use the hologram from like a Tupac concert. <laughs> It's just sort of a blue glowing Alan Rickman in there. And because because they don't have his voice, all he can say is lines from Die Hard. <laughs> all he says is shit from Harry Potter. He just shows up and they're like, hey, what do you think about Tigress? Potter. <laughs> Take out your potions, homework. <laughs> I am the half-blood prince. <laughs> oh, and also a bunch of stuff from Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. <laughs> <laughs> It'll hurt more, you twit. <laughs> 
Uh, well, that's the questions we have today. <laughs> that's what we got for Crystal Star. <laughs> so, uh, let's see. I think we only really have one last thing to talk about today, John. Yes, indeed. We, we sh- still need to give out that super secret information of what's a coming up next. So, next time on Expounded Universe, it's gonna be... It's gonna be me. It's gonna be John. We're reading John. <laughs> the book of John. We're reading the book of John. It's actually pretty boring. <laughs> Yeah, it's true. It's mostly sleeping and pizzas. <laughs> Wait, which one of the which one of the gospels is the good gospel? Uh, that would be the Gospel of John. Yes, it's John. John's the weird one, right? John's the one where it actually is a story because it was written like 130 years afterwards. Yeah, but it's got a whole bunch of weird extra stuff in it. Like, there's parts where he's like, "And I'll give you power over the angels and stuff." <laughs> it's like it gets all weird and gnostic. Yeah, man. Is Luke, that John? Luke is the the one written by a doctor, so you got a little more down to earth. Mark is the one that's very, very bare bones, mm-hmm. and uh, Matthew's sort of the ru- middle-of-the-road meh version. What about the Ringo one? Oh, yeah, and the Ringo one just can't even keep a beat. Heavy on the octopus metaphors. <laughs> <laughs> and yay, Jesus said unto them, be like an octopus, and everyone was like, what? What? <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Did Ringo write this one? Oh, God, come on. Damn it. I'll take a Harrison one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so drum roll, please. Dram roll. The, thank you for that dram roll, John. Dram roll. The, the next book is Legends Star Wars Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina. That's right. It's Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina. We're going to learn all about. We're going to learn about Werewolf Guy. We're going to learn about Devil Man. We're going to learn about Snail Dude. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> We're going to learn about jizz band. So we We're got. We're going to learn about whack. bat person. We're going to learn about bartender. <laughs> woo her, woo her, woo her. I got you all in check. Yeah. So that's woo her. We're going to We're going to learn about Momon Nadon. I don't know what any of this is. We're going to learn about Butchin. We're going to learn about weird nose. Doctor Evazon. <laughs> Laxivrak is werewolf guy. Feltapern Travag is green hairy dude. Ugh. I can do this all day, John. <laughs> You mentioned Bat Person. Obviously, we all know who that is. A Chadrafan. Uh, that, that is That's, that is the depth of my Star Wars knowledge, is that Cabe. I know what it is. That's Cabe and her friend Muftak. That's fake Cabe. So, each chapter of, of uh, Star Wars Tales from the Mos Eisley Cantina, if you have not heard of it, is a short story about one of the characters in the Mos Eisley Cantina. Or sometimes two or three or four of the characters. Yeah, because sometimes they know each other. So, uh, one thing we can learn about having chose this as a book is no character assassination of Princess Leia. Yep, not going to be involved at all, I assume. We're giving her a break. After this, we'll try and find a a Leia book that's not terrible. But in the meantime, we bet on the safe side, no Leia at all. Yeah, that's the only way you can be certain. (laughs) Like, the only way to win is not to play. We are definitely wargamesing this. Instead, we're going to be learning about all kinds of interesting uh, lady characters from the Star Wars universe, like the Tonica twins and some kind of worm. Lady Valerian, the Whiphead. So, uh, so get ready for some exciting times as we break apart this book next in season three of Expounded Universe. Ooh boy, I can't wait. Yeah, absolutely. So, other than that, John, we got to talk about the housekeeping, folks. If you like this show, I'm sorry. Why? You probably <laughs> should seek help. <laughs> We're bad. We're real bad at this, and you should you should go listen to something else, something good, folks. If you're fans of this, something show, like System Mastery. <laughs> Oh, man, our our Patreon is going down instead of up. And, folks, I'm scared because my kid is like a month away. 
<laughs> and I can't have the we got to get that thing back up. So folks, as always, bonus content exists for this show. It's even going to exist this week, even this week when we didn't do anything. This week of all weeks, we're going to look up something in Wikipedia and we're going to come back and tell you a story all about what we found. And if you want to hear us do that, and if you want to hear the 10 or so episodes of that that already exist and the many dozens of uh, System Mastery bonus content episodes out there, and you don't already support us on Patreon, go support us on Patreon. It's, uh, you know, $2 gets you all of it, and that's four, $4 a month. Four bucks a month gets you, on average, six episodes a month. What a friggin' deal. It's crazy. You support all the stuff that we do here, and it's four bucks. You're going to put food in my girlfriend who will turn it into food in my baby. <laughs> I, you know how the yeah, process she, she works. she chews it up, barfs it back into the baby's mouth. Folks, I'm a bird. This, <laughs> this hasn't come up before, but, but as, a, as a family of stormy petrels... It's vitally important that you give me fish so that I can I can uh, I can feed it directly into the mouth of my beeping chick. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> always be beeping. So <laughs> Uh, as always, you can find that at patreon.com slash system mastery, two bucks a month un- or two bucks an episode of system mastery, four bucks a month. As John said, we'll unlock a whole bunch of extra content, us joking around exactly as we always do, but with new fun concepts, <laughs> but with different things, different things, more star Wars. Uh, otherwise, find us at, at uh, System Mastery, as System Mastery, on uh, Facebook, Gmail, Reddit, Twitter, all those places you can find us, comment, uh, send us questions and recommendations, get into conversations with us. We have a permanent Discord you can find. It says Sticky Post right there on our Twitter feed. Yeah, go into that Discord. We're in there occasionally just talking about dumb crap. Yeah, I'm in there all the time talking about dumb crap. John's in there very occasionally. Oh, I, I read all of it, but I have nothing to say to you morons. <laughs> Yes, John you loves plebeians. Please, please give us money. Remember that I'm the nice one. John's the hateful one. So whenever the money arrives, just med- mention that in the in the subject line. Thank you. Uh, all right. Uh, and once again, just just as a real quick reminder, uh, there's a Kickstarter that exists at the moment that includes system mastery content as a stretch goal. So if you want to uh, get your hands on Blimp Leggers, the the uh, setting that we've created for role-playing games, all you have to do is go to Kickstarter and support the Flying Circus RPG. Yes, indeedy. All right. So I think that's just about it for the week. John, you got anything else you want to say before we close out this chapter? I think we are ready to shut this crystal star down. (laughs) Powering down the crystal star. I'll go polish the waru and roll it into the dumpsters. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, no, I like to feed our day-old waru to the homeless. (laughs) Man, you know that they're going to sue us if they get weird Waru diseases. <laughs> we should just wait for the person who comes around and picks it up. I got a wicked case of the anti-force. <laughs> All right, folks. Uh, until next time, I've been Elan Slees Bagano, and I love Death Sticks. Death Sticks.